Welcome to all of our listeners across across the world, global streaming from the Cliff Central Studios here in Ravonia, South Africa. This is Professor David Block, and a very warm welcome to each one of you as we look up with David Block. Do remember the following contact numbers, which can be used both within South Africa and further afield. If you're in South Africa and wish to reach us in studio, our number to dial is 0861-555-189. That's 0861-555-189. If you wish to reach us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at cliffcentral.com. On Instagram, cliffcentral. Facebook, cliffcentral. WeChat, ID, cliffcentral. And if you wish to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Starry Galaxy Man. You're listening to Professor David Block. I suppose that during the course of each one of our lives, when a father and a mother, for example, have children, immediately that topic which comes to the fore is this. What about the future of my son or my daughter? What will my daughter become? What will my son aspire to? And I suppose that's on the minds of multitudes of parents across the globe today is, what about my son? What about my daughter? And of course, parents' input is critical. But then, of course, so is the input of the learners themselves. And today I have... The singular joy of introducing here live at uh, Cliff Central Studios in Ravonia three of South Africa's top achievers in matric, um, Suleiman Mamoniat. Suleiman, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, David. It's lovely to have you on board. And then we have uh, Wasima Lombard. Wasima, she speaks very eloquently, as does the entire group of three. She loves debating. She's a great achiever. I'm looking forward to some interaction, Duncan. So, Wasima, a very hearty welcome to you as well. Thank you so much, Professor Block. And then finally, seated in studio, is Leland Daniel Forbay, and Leland will be adding his thoughts to some of the key issues of today. We look up at the Milky Way galaxy. We see 100,000 million blazing stars, and I believe that each one of you seated in front of me today is a star, born to aspire, born to dream, born to achieve the greater of greatest um, accomplishments, I believe, in our leaders of tomorrow. Now, of course, the three of you have just completed writing your matric and the accolades are sort of like a vacuum cleaner sweeping up all the distinctions. And you've taken, I know, for example, Suleiman, you came out with a full house. Tell us about that. Uh, it was seven or eight A's, was it not? Uh, yes, it was eight A's. It was an amazing feeling to achieve that. How did you actually feel? I mean, we know you worked and so on. So on. We're getting to that. But how did you feel when you were told, here I am and I've got, you know, eight A's? I was relieved. Uh-huh. Were you but surprised? Yes, I, I was. Uh-huh. One of my subjects was extremely difficult for me. And getting the A was so amazing for me to get. Mm-hmm. It was in English. Mm-hmm. I could never get an A before. Yes. So the, I really pushed in the final exams and I actually got it. I was so ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Here we have Suleiman, who's feeling quite ecstatic at sort of, you know, accomplishing this incredible achievement of uh, eight A's. And so I've invited him, together with his two friends, Leland and Wasima, to really interact with me on a number of key issues in this global feed. And so I'd like to kick off 
with the first thought, the first question, and that is matric is not always an easy time. The three of you have been very privileged, if you like, or uh, talented and so forth, to reach for the stars. And I must congratulate you on your accomplishments. But, Leland, let me ask you a question. You know, when I look at the matric results, there are not many scorers in your category. I know you're studying medicine at the University of the Witwatersrand. But the point is this. Not everybody can get into medicine. And there are many students who might see their results and see that they've got no A's or that they're sitting with 30% or 20% or something. How do your friends and this is open to the three of you, feel after sort of the closure of your matric uh, classes? We feel humbled. You okay. feel humbled? Yes, we do. Why do you feel humbled, Leland? Because it was quite an experience to uh-huh. go through the matric year that we went through. Yes. Do you feel it's a privilege to sit at the feet of your teachers, as it were, and uh, learn, or does it become a slog, or is it a passion? It's a privilege uh-huh. because not a lot of South African students have what we got. Not a lot of them have dedicated teachers who are willing to give us the extra mile. Yes, yes. I see. Wasima, well, I believe you've got a lot to say <laughs> on this specific issue. Speak forth, the world listeneth. Okay, so the way I felt when I finished yes. Mystic was... Yes. I felt a bit indifferent, like nothing had really happened and nothing was going to happen and it was sort of this blank page and I had to fill it and that was kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Because when you're finished with writing your exams, you're not too sure what you're going to do with the rest of your life. You don't know how the results were. Mm-hmm. And when the results came out, I cried. I'm oh, not going to even nice. lie. That's I was awesome. absolutely disappointed and mm-hmm. horrified at myself. That's interesting. You cried. Was it a sense of relief or was it a sense of gratitude? Or That's a very interesting uh, behavioral pattern. Um, you know, one normally cries at a wedding, um, unless, of course, you're marrying the wrong person. <laughs> then you laugh. But, uh, you know, I suppose that crying is for those moments in space and time which are touching, which you know, touches the heart. Blaise Pascal, the great mathematician, said the heart has its reasons that reasons know not of. Now, what was in your heart? I was disappointed, actually. I only got four distinctions. All right, all right. But the point is, you only got four distinctions, but how do you feel? You know, we often concentrate uh, on the negative, but I think achieving four is just awesome. Which were those uh, subjects that you... Uh, secure distinctions in English, Afrikaans, history and life orientation And which uh, set works in English did you enjoy the most? Well, I did a separate subject called AP English And I enjoyed those set works far more than I did the mm-hmm. uh, regular school set works But Othello was very nice for our matric year mm-hmm. Very interesting to see that yes. side of Shakespeare mm-hmm. What appealed to you, Suleiman, with regard to Othello? Are there any specific scenes that captivated your mindsets? There, were, there weren't really scenes. It was really interesting to see how a man, William Shakespeare, could create such mm. vivid and deep characters. Mm-hmm. The characters of Iago, he mm-hmm. is just astoundingly menacing. And to see how he works his way and how he uses all the opportunities he gets to turn it against the people he dislikes, it's just, it's extremely interesting. Not in a good way, but to learn mm-hmm. about how people are in the world. Mm. And o- also the vices of the protagonist really teach you what you should work on in your life. Like, I'm a very trusting person. Mm. Well, I used to be a very trusting person. Mm. And Othello has taught me not to be so easily trusting, mm-hmm. to also give time to judge, to make sure that you're doing the right thing, mm. that you know the person that you're interacting with. Mm. And yeah, Othello has taught me a lot. Mm. How do you feel about trusting people now? Did you, give it, did you rely on some sort of gut feel that, well, I can trust this person and take him at his word? You know, I grew up in an era where they said, my word is my bond, which meant my absolute promise. Or mm-hmm. are you very careful with those you trust? 
I used to be so trusting. I would literally, to anyone who spoke to me, I would just tell them anything they asked. Mm-hmm. Even if they asked those questions about my personal life, that mm-hmm. would be very personal and I wouldn't share. Mm-hmm. I would just mm-hmm. share it. Mm-hmm. I would just, it would be a gut feeling to just share with everyone. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to share with the world, to make, mm-hmm. I wanted to make the world a happier place. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. However, things happened and mm-hmm. uh, you can't succeed with everyone. Right. There's certain times when you slow down, mm-hmm. certain times when you need to think about things, but I still think that I, I really do want to make the world a happier and beautiful place. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You're listening to Professor David Block. I have the singular joy of interviewing Suleiman Mamoniet. Now, the name Mamoniet is very famous at the University of the Witwatersrand for one reason. I happen to teach your father, right, Suleiman? Yes. And um, I remember teaching him when he was in first year. And now he is my head of school. And I think it's so neat. And I think that that's what you trying, the three of you are trying to do, is you're trying to carry some sort, are you not, of Olympic torch and yes. follow and hand that Olympic torch over. Uh, Leland, I see you nodding your head vigorously. <laughs> I see your head shaking some. Uh, tell us, uh, do you agree with what I said or not? Yes, I do. Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Do you believe it's very important for us not only to retain our talents, but to fire up the talents within others? It was Plutarch who said, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire, a veritable fire to be lit. Yes. I believe that we each and every one of us has a little torch within us. That's lovely. Which can be lit by other people's torches. And together we can form a giant bonfire. Wonderful. (laughs) I think that's just awesome. What do you feel about that, Wasima? Oh, I heard a similar, you know, sentiment about a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. And I, if I'm correct, it was said by Anne Frank. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that that's really true. If we all can inspire one another, we'll all burn brightly and shine like stars. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are listening to Professor David Block, looking up with David Block to reach us in studio 0861-555-189. Do not be lazy. Go to that telephone or use your cell phone and dial us 0861-555-189. Twitter at cliffcentral.com, Instagram, Facebook, WeChat, all three, Cliff Central. And my handle is at Starry Galaxy Man. We're going to take our um, little music break with our audio engineer, Duncan, and we're going to start playing music from which resonates from the very grounds of the southern tip of Africa. Listen forth. Wow, my toes are resonating with that incredible music. Thank you to our audio engineer, Duncan. Well, here's an interesting question just received, and it concerns President Jacob Zuma. The fact that our president does not have a matric makes it hard to encourage learners to strive for it. So that's really a thought rather than a question. Uh, Wasima. Well, I think that a lot of what has to do with politics today is not based on us as the youth, as we've just voted in our first election last year, but it's our parents who feel the need to have this struggle mentality sometimes. But I don't think that this should inhibit people from wanting to obtain a metric um, certificate because... It's what we need for the future to compete in a global market. We mustn't just think um, locally. We have to think globally. 
I, I perfectly agree, but I think what this person is actually asking or suggesting is that one tends to look up rather than down. And in other words, here's a person who's looking up at their president and to see to what level they may aspire to. Now, I agree, you never look to politicians in general at all. I suppose one of the greatest exceptions was, for example, Nelson Mandela. But um, this is a very poignant issue, is it not, or is it not to you, that a president might or might not have a matric? Does it not instill in you a sense of a need to instill in others a sense of worthiness of achieving the, the matric levels or not? Well, for me, I believe that it's it's kind of a disappointment that our president doesn't have a matric. Okay. But it shouldn't be where we look, and it should be a right. point to inspire us. If we see other presidents around the world, um, Barack Obama, for example, has right. a law degree, right. and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's ask Suleiman Mamonet how he feels about this uh, question and statement put before us. Well, firstly, I would have to do some research into exactly why he doesn't have his metric. That's he good. comes from a different era. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know mm-hmm. what the circumstances were for him. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be so harsh on him. Mm-hmm. But also I think that the youth shouldn't limit themselves in the face of who is ruling them now. The youth has so much potential to achieve amazing things. And we don't have to... Look at our president and say, of I want course. to be like that. Mm-hmm. We can look at our president and say, I want to be more than that. Mm-hmm. I want to do more Good. for my country. Good. We don't have to limit ourselves to their current state. Mm-hmm. No, good. And especially, for example, I find it um, quite um, sufficient, uh, Suleiman, to care for one wife. And so, I mean, you <laughs> might follow <laughs> in terms of having eight wives, for example, but I think that that's right. The president must be allowed to lead his life. Mm. Um, and as young achievers ourselves, we do not look to politicians, but we look to our mentors, those we highly respect within the academic circles, for example, mm-hmm. and we tend to strive for more than they have actually accomplished. I think of a very wonderful incident and which I'd like to address to the three of you, and you can just comment on it. And this was the following. I was lecturing at the University of Fort Hare in Alice, and uh, there was a guy, Duncan, who uh, lived in a shack. And I remember he came to me after every rainstorm, and he said, where must we put the next rock on the roof so that the, sh- the roof of the shack should not blow away? That's the degree of poverty. Wow. So, I mean, that's extreme poverty, Suleiman. But the interesting thing was, is he didn't look to the ruling president at the time. He didn't look to his circumstances. He looked within, and for and it so happened that I was lecturing to him at the time. And somehow the two of us gelled, and somehow the two of us became friends in a mentorship, studentship role. And this, here's a man in the Siskai, the former Siskai, and he's sitting wondering where to place the next rock on the roof of his shack. And I encouraged him. I Mm. said to him, without giving a name, I said to him, you're born for bigger things. You are born for bigger things. Reach for the stars. Reach for your dream." Make it happen. uh, And I encouraged him. I infused within him the power, the awesome power of encouragement. And today he is the chairman of Investec Bank. Wow. So I think that that goes to show uh, something your dear father has allowed me to do at Wits over many years, and that is Professor Mamoniat has allowed a lot of my time to be spent on outreaches to our future leaders of tomorrow, from Shaq to the uh, chairperson of one of the world's large banks. So another question has come up here. What are your thoughts? And this is addressed to Suleiman, 
um, Leland and Wasima. Let we'll start with you, uh, uh, Suleiman, and then uh, Leland, and then Wasima. What are your thoughts about people who don't make it to matric? And that's true. I mean, not everybody does. What are your thoughts on people about people who don't make it to matric, but still, obviously, want to be successful in life? What do you have to say to people? Our listeners, some of whom might fall into that category. Well, that's one of the most amazing things about humanity is that even if you fall once, even on something as momentous as the matric exams, or the government makes it seem so momentous, it doesn't, that's not the end. There is so much you can do outside of the academic field. Mm-hmm. Look at mm-hmm. if, even an example, Bill Gates. I, was just I think he was a college dropout, mm-hmm. if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. That's correct. And he made a success out of that. And now mm-hmm. he has many outreach programs. Mm-hmm. He does so much for charity. Absolutely. And that mm-hmm. is just, that's one of the stories that just make my heart mm-hmm. jump. Very it's good example. That someone, you don't have to succeed in the way the world tells you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own measure of success and everyone has their own Wonderful. destiny, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And you can achieve success in your own manner. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. And I think another beautiful example was Steve Jobs. Yes. Who started life also with very dismal uh, prospects. But he had a dream. He had a vision. He had a dream to make the little, you know, everything he did accessible to us. And, I mean, the rest is really history within the Apple domain. That is true. Um, it is really awesome. So, in other words, what we're saying here, uh, dear listeners today on Looking Up with David Block, is that matric is not the only standard for success. Mm. It's very important. It's critical, if, for example, if you want to become a doctor. And I know Leland does, and he's answering this question next. But the point is, matric is not the only standard You can, for example, be incredibly good. And I'll just give one example. There was a lady cleaning the floor of a lift in the United States. And this lift was going up and she was cleaning the floor. And a very tall gentleman walked into the lift. She didn't look up. The year was 1969 when we placed man on the moon. She didn't look up. She just carried on cleaning. And it looked particularly spotless that day. And the tall gentleman said, Ma'am, why are you doing cleaning this floor with such a degree of pride and purpose? And her reply to this tall gentleman was, Today, sir, we are going to put man on the moon. The guy then stepped out, the tall gentleman then stepped out of the lift. Later she learnt that the um, tall gentleman was none other than the administrator of NASA. (laughs) (laughs) So there she didn't have her matric, but uh, certainly, my word, was she successful. Your Mm. thoughts, Leland, on people who don't make it to matric? Um, I believe that if you're passionate enough for what you're doing, for Mm -hmm. what your aspirations are, your ambitions, then there should be nothing that can stop you, whether it be a fail in matric or a fail in university. If you have the ambition and drive to do what you love, Mm -hmm. then no one can hold you back. Would you say it's all a question of passion? In other words, if you're passionate about, say, making the next little app or whatever it might be, if you're really passionate about it, are you saying that's the secret to success rather than formal degrees? Be careful because I know that formal degrees are needed in vast plethoras, so we have to give the right advice here. There are many degrees of achieving success, like Suleiman said. Mm Mm-hmm. You can either do it by being an academic or by being a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, especially in the society we live in today, academics shine through. Mm-hmm. So if you feel that whatever you're doing, you're making a difference mm-hmm. to society or for yourself, then I believe that there's nothing Wonderful. that mm-hmm. can stop you. What are your thoughts, Wasima, on people who just, you know, they get their matric results and it's just... Ain't a B and it ain't a C and it ain't a D, but you know you've just you suck at matric to use my Tim Twins terminology of sixteen. Uh, so, 
what are your thoughts on this, uh, given that we've got listeners from across the world and many of them have made it to matric, but there are those who haven't? I think not everybody is academically inclined, so we shouldn't be judging everybody by the same set of standards. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Albert Einstein who once said, you can't judge a fish by how well it climbs its tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the fish will spend its that's entire right. life that's thinking right. it's stupid. That's right. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's exactly the same way I feel about academics. The three people you see uh, in this interview are very much academically inclined, and right. that's the way we've chosen to live our lives. Right. But other people can be extremely successful mm. without mm. that. Like what Leland and Suleiman and yourself have said, passion and pride need to mm. come into what you're doing. Mm. You can be a street sweeper, but you should be the best street sweeper. I agree. There is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I th- yes, carry on, please. Uh, just to add, I also think mm. it's a very powerful aspect of success and doing what you love is attitude. If you have the right attitude, you can turn anything around. But it has to be not the attitude of, oh, no, I have to do more work. Oh, no, this is just irritating me. Oh, no, I'm going to fail. I'm too scared to succeed because of mm. the pressure that's going to be mm. on me. Mm. If you, if that attitude can change, mm. things in your life just turn around. Mm. If you will keep working towards a goal mm. with a positive attitude, mm. a positive attitude of I will work harder, mm. I will strive to achieve what will make me as a person, as mm. a being happy, mm. then I think mm. you can achieve so much. Mm. You know, Suleiman, it's just so true what you're saying because... I remember being with uh, former President Mandela on a number of occasions, and I would often reflect on the fact of his cell. And there he was confined to this extremely small cell on Robben Island, um, but his attitude is not concretized. He's sitting on concrete, but his attitude's not set in concrete. Mm. He's sitting in the cold, the icy, chilly winds blowing across Robben Island, but his attitude is not chilly. His attitude is warm yes. and inviting. Isn't that an amazing example of coldness all around you, and yet within you is this warmth, this in degree of, you know, come to me. I think that is just a stunning example of what you're really saying with attitude, because so many people blame others, mm. whereas they should be blaming their negative attitude. Exactly. That is a beautiful example, especially mm-hmm. an example of an ideal to strive towards. Yes. In other words, you could be sitting on a cold floor. I'll never forget uh, Suleiman, uh, Leland and Wasima. When I grew up, I grew up in a town called Krugersdorp, now known as Mukhali City. And I used to go in, in my early years, grade one and so on, I used to sit on a concrete floor. And I remember it was terribly cold. Uh, and we sat on this concrete floor, and it was really cold. Even people who suffered from cold bums said that those, <laughs> my bums, were unusually frozen. But, 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 it never shaped my attitude. The coldness of the day never shaped the person David Block. And the coldness of any environment um, I might encompass doesn't shape the person, the ideas, the ideal, the the raison d'etre, the neurophysiological processes of David Block. And I think that that's what you're saying, is it Exactly. Not? It's what's on the inside that counts. You mm-hmm. can make something out of nothing. Right. With the right attitude. I think that's lovely, just to make something out of nothing. How do you feel about that, Wasima? Making something out of nothing. I think it all depends on one's attitude. <laughs> so you'd agree with that? Yes. Yes, I see hands going up and so on. Now, of course, we've mentioned Mr. Mandela a number of times, but I want to come down one level and then I'll ask the question. As I, as, as I want to again emphasize to our listeners, um, I had the privilege of teaching my head of school, Professor Ibrahim Mamoniat, And uh, he is now a great leader at the university and beyond the university. So the question asked is this, what is the future of leadership, uh, not only in universities, but in South Africa and the world? I mean, we've had incredible leaders such as Nelson Mandela, 
but then we've got lots of leaders we could look at today who are not leaders at all. Um, they may be dictators, for example. Uh, what are your thoughts on... I mean, I interviewed Clem Sunter, who, of course, is an expert, a futurist in a sense. And, uh, you know, he was saying there's a 25% that South Africa goes the way of Zimbabwe and a 75% that it does not. But the 25% was worrying him. Does it worry you? Let's start with Suleiman. It's a hard question. It is. It's a tough question. I, I think that a lot, the government today is putting a lot of emphasis on educating the youth. And yes. I think there's a reason for doing that. Yes. The education of the youth is what allows South Africa to have a brighter future. Mm-hmm. As Nelson Mandela says, education is the key to the future. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that that's one aspect of today's society which I really admire. The fact that we really push education. It may be changing a lot, the syllabuses mm-hmm. and the, the fact that it's into caps now and people are but Unsteady with the new system But mm-hmm. we're still pushing education We still want to get as many children Into education as possible And I think mm. that will breed mm. Greater leaders mm. of tomorrow mm. Leland, I see you nodding What do you have to say? Um, sorry. There's a saying that The same boiling water That cooks the egg Also softens the potato Yes. So I feel very good, very good. I like that because I enjoy my potatoes. Because <laughs> um, I feel like the leadership is the boiling water. The, okay. bo- the boiling okay. water can either make your country better good. or it's it can lovely. make it worse. Listeners, I think that's great. You've got boiling water around you. What you're going to do? Become a softer potato, or is it going to cook the egg? I think that's just so neat. It's just the way of handling the potato situation. You're listening to David Block. Looking up with David Block, are Suleiman Mamoniat, Wasima Lombard, and Leelan Daniel Forbe. To reach us in studio, 0861-555-189, Twitter at cliffcentral.com, and then on Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat ID, uh, Cliff Central. We're going to have another little music break, again from music from resonating from the very tips of our toes. Listen in. A very warm welcome, a hearty welcome again to David Block. Looking up with Professor David Block. As I wear my hat as an astronomer, I'm so aware of the awesome value of reading. I think uh, whenever I'm at Wits, one of the things I'm always doing is buying a new book or buying a book because I just find such value in reading. However, uh, when I face classes of students or audiences around the world, I find that people do not always like to read. They might perhaps read on a Kindle, but they do not always read or like to read at all. I remember teaching a young girl, a very beautiful young girl, a tall, beautiful young girl who stood out in my class and her name was Sharice Harley and uh, I remember her very well. I remember marking her essays and her essays showed a great degree of depth and a great degree of a love of reading and yet folk before me 
Uh, this is not always the case, unfortunately. Maybe technology is to blame, I don't know, but it's very seldom that you see a teenager or a matric student curl up holding a book and say, devouring it. Your thoughts, starting with Suleiman. I think it's very true. There aren't a lot of people who thoroughly enjoy reading nowadays. I can't exactly think of what the reason for that may be. It may be due to things such as maybe people watch TV. TV feeds things directly to your eyes and it's so easy to process. You don't even need to put any brain power into it. And whereas reading, you have to use your imagination. It develops that beautiful part of your brain known as imagination, which mm. allows you to mm. create, it allows you to explore, mm. it allows you to learn new things. Mm-hmm. However, it does take a little bit of effort, but it can be extremely enjoyable. Mm. Mm. And isn't it wonderful? I mean, you spoke about the importance of feeding the imagination. I think that was one of the, the clues of Einstein's genius is that it was the unlocking of the imagination that gravitational force fields can bend space and time. That's dreaming. It's the imagination of Steve Jobs. It's the imagination of Bill Gates. It's imagination. And I somehow I think that by just being restricted to the Kindle, for example, you're not allowing yourself to go into that phase space where you can actually imagine. Your thoughts, Leland? Um, we live in an age where technology is so advanced that we're exposed to more things than we were before in the mm-hmm. previous era. Mm-hmm. That's true. So what I believe is that because nowadays it's easier to listen to the radio or watch a movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of sitting down, spending about an hour to two hours reading a book, mm-hmm. when you can just watch the 30-minute edition on TV. Mm. So would you really blame technology for the demise in reading? Because there's a huge demise. I mean, I don't know when last I've walked into any home and seen uh, teenagers curled up or matric students uh, with their favorite book. They curled up with their favorite tunes and so (laughs) on. But uh, they're not curled up with books. Would you blame it on technology, largely? Um, to an extent, because back then, reading was the only medium of like feeding your imagination. Mm-hmm. To say like mm-hmm. um, nowadays, we have music which allows us to experience pre-written emotions and mm-hmm. feelings. Wasima? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really enjoy reading. It's one of my favorite pastimes. And I think... Technology is to blame for the decline of people reading, but I don't think that it's completely lost. I think what you watch, especially, can improve. I watch a lot of stuff. I'm, I, I'm, I like, I'm a film addict. But I think that it depends on what you watch and how you engage with the material. And if you can find a book that you enjoy, I think any type of reading that gets you in the habit of reading is good reading. And I think whether you do not Kindle or you prefer books, it's good. But Reading Facebook statuses does not count as reading. I think teenagers need to get out of that habit and really connect with something that's not them. I think books allow us to relate to characters and to see worlds that we might otherwise not see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And previous generations, they didn't have many options for entertainment. It made them better people, better thinkers. Mm -hmm. I think lots of teenage problems could be solved if they turn inwards Mm. and use a book to help them. Mm. But of course, there is still something to me. You know, I'm very grateful that I can use some extremely powerful computers in my research. But there's still something so wonderful about reading about, for example, reading a paper, research paper in a book or just reading a story in a book itself. Somehow it's feeding a side of my brain where I'm forced to do something rather than simply lying on a couch and perhaps watching a summary of my book. To me, the, to me, a sense almost of laziness is bound to creep in when you allow the uh, visual side to totally be dominated by the technology. Would you agree? I think what's important to note when reading a book 
even if you read on a digital platform, you'll read 20% slower than if you were reading a book. Mm-hmm. There's something about when we hold paper and mm-hmm. we look at something and we have to connect to something and imagine it that allows us to um, get a greater um, in understanding, yeah, a grasp mm-hmm, of the knowledge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's being acquired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there's something very interesting, which is one of the points here, and that is that uh, not everybody comes from families uh, who can afford laptops and iPads and iPhones and i this and i that. And, uh, of course, in our country, in South Africa, from which this global streaming sets forth, from our country, there's a tremendous degree of poverty. Uh, we do know that there's a huge um, divide between the rich, the haves, and then the have-nots. Now, I gave you an example at the University of Fort Hare of extreme poverty, and yet, because of encouragement and because of mentorship, I was able to transcend the poverty syndrome and mentor that student until he became the chairman of one of the world's great banks. But what are your thoughts, starting with Suleiman, on poverty and its link to education? In other words, to a person who's just, their parents are poor. Uh, you know, my mind immediately thinks of scholarships, but let me not set the answer for you. To a person who is poor, do they have a future in education? I think that's one of the things the government have really been pushing for, making education available to the masses of our population. And to a degree they've been successful, but to a degree it's also not worked out very well. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, reading is such a powerful thing. When you go to a school, most a lot of schools... Maybe not the very the poor schools, but in the poor area there are libraries, mm. and those libraries are so useful to use. When you can read, you can at least set yourself free from your circumstances. Mm. You are able to free your That's mind. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to explore uncharted territory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you do that, you allow yourself to escape the idea of poverty. Mm-hmm. What holds some people back is the idea that they are poor. And they will always be poor because that's who they are. Mm-hmm. That, okay, I'm poor now. There's nothing going to change that. Mm-hmm. You're rich. You're going to stay rich. I'm poor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay poor. Mm-hmm. And that's a mentality that can be changed. Mm. You, you, maybe with the right attitude, with the right encouragement, and putting in an effort into something such as reading. Mm. Because reading is such, it, in a sense, can be said to be an easy thing once you get the hang of it. But it's so extremely powerful. And it can literally free anyone. And it's so interesting that when one does read, as you say, your mind is freed from your environment. Exactly. And I think this is what we're saying today, is that um, too often we keep on in our mindsets, I am poor, and then what comes with it, I will not achieve, and there's no hope for me, and so on, and that negative spiral. And what you are saying is, pick up a book, listeners, Pick up a book and listen, read and let, share the mind of Chaucer, share the mind of Othello, share the mind of Blaise Pascal, sh- share the mind of Jean Mesnard, share the mind of the great thinkers of today and, uh, and be transformed by the power of your mind. Is that not what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Leland, your comments. Poverty and education. I believe in our country there's an imbalance between the rich and the poor, like you said. Mm -hmm. And the government's attempt to try and bring equality or balance to our current situation in education is causing even more imbalance because then again, how do you know if you're really poor or how do you know if you're really rich? Right, right. Because it creates a gray area where... Right, right, right. It's... it's very important to break the chains of poverty, not poverty around you, I believe, but poverty in your attitude, in your mindset. We are not, you see, 
too many people look at the external circumstances, and I believe many listeners can identify with this. You look at the external and say, I am poor. Well, you may be very poor compared to Mr. Oppenheimer, for example, but that does not make you poor. You are not born with a name pure. You mm. are not born. You know, to people who fail, I say this, failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event. It's happened. You failed. But that doesn't make me, the person, uh, a failure. Tell me about uh, how did you, the three of you, starting with Wasima, cope with the stress of matric? Just briefly. I think we had a great support system at our school where our teachers are supportive and our peers are supportive. Mm-hmm. And I think that that support system where mm-hmm. your family supportive and everyone's encouraging you to go forth mm-hmm. and prosper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. always good. So, so you found your support system was just so helpful. Would you say within the support system was a tremendous degree of encouragement? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also believe that in order to cope with matric you need to have a certain calmness. You have to find something that will allow you to calm down because it's very stressful. Mm-hmm. You think that this exam, this exam that you're writing tomorrow, it's going to be the end all and the be all in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you fail that, you've messed up your entire life. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it really is if they wanted to pursue an academic career. Mm-hmm. So you need to find something that's going to calm you down, mm-hmm. whether that be meditation or reading a book or mm-hmm. swimming. Mm-hmm. You just have to find something that's going to mm-hmm. bring you back to your center mm-hmm. and will allow you to get, move forward. Mm, lovely, lovely. Leland, anything to add? Um, Leland struck dumb by <laughs> the... Uh, the awesomeness of the occasion and the awesomeness of the thought. Suleiman, how do you feel about this? The one thing I wanted to say about Matric is that one other thing that made Matric really scary for me was the rumors I heard about it. Everyone mm-hmm. speaks about how important it is, how difficult it is, mm-hmm. and how you have to do a Matric or else your life is over. Mm-hmm. But you, if you look at the world, there is so much more to life than that. I'm not saying that, that the metric itself is not important, mm. but don't, you don't have to put so much pressure that you feel like you're dying. Mm-hmm. Put as much pressure on yourself that you you need. Mm-hmm. As a person, you would know how, how much pressure you need. Mm-hmm. But there's always something out there in life, something beautiful, something that's meant for you. And if education yes, is true. not that... Mm. Then don't force it. Mm. If you force it too much, you burn out. Mm, that's true. And like Wasima said, you need to mm. find something that calms you down, that mm. grounds you, mm. that puts you in the present moment and mm. allows you to look at things externally so that you can see, mm. this is difficult for me now. Mm. Is this going to destroy me? Mm. Or am I just fretting for nothing? Mm. Mm. And sometimes we forget to do that in matric. You forget mm. to look at the big picture mm. and you only focus on this exam that's coming up or mm. this subject that I'm not doing well mm. at. And to break that cycle, there's often mm. encouragement. Like, thank you so much, Professor David Block, for coming to our school mm. and encouraging all the students. Mm-hmm. That encouragement was invaluable. Wonderful and to hear that. Thank you. And it's that kind of thing mm-hmm. that pushes us up, that lifts us. Mm. And that's what actually allows us to succeed. Mm. And if you can just get a balance within your life, everyone has their own balance. Mm. Like I know I love doing a whole lot of things at once. Mm. That's my balance. Mm. But for someone else, maybe they would just do one other thing and then focus on their work. Mm. For some people, they just focus on their work and mm. that works for them. Mm. Just, you need to trust yourself mm. and just don't, don't fight who you are. Good. That's very true. You know, there's an interesting example here, Suleiman, and that is, as you know, I adore astronomy, but it also calms me down. So, Duncan, I'm in a unique scenario where my job is my passion, and as I study astronomy, it has a calming effect on me. <laughs> it's, uh, which, which, uh, but the point is, Plutarch said, as I said earlier, the mind is not a vessel just to be filled with knowledge, but a fire to be lit. And I think what you're saying to us, and the three of you are saying to us, 
Is you are here And I'm so glad I could be here Courtesy Standard Bank uh, At your school To actually reach out Help you light uh, the fires of tomorrow But also if you remember What I shared with you that day That you are born to scratch At the cutting edge You have your own cutting edge And you are born to scratch at that cutting edge, do you agree? Exactly. And I think what's amazing about the kind of thing that you do when you spread words of encouragement is that it gives other people the opportunity to be so inspired that they will go and do the same to others. Wonderful. And it has such an amazing knock-on mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. So even saying mm-hmm. one beautiful and amazing thing to someone mm. can be so extremely powerful. Mm. The funny thing is that you, you may not always see how powerful it is, mm, no. but the effect of what you do and mm. say to other people. Small mm. words of encouragement can mm. be so much more powerful than mm. we see. So listeners, let's just think for a moment of your lives. Maybe you're listening to me from Soweto. Maybe you're listening to me from Dubai. What words do I have for you today based on what we've just heard? Well, I suppose... I see you as a beetle. I see you as a beetle born to scratch. I see you as a beetle born to take the world to a new cutting edge. I see more than that. I see that within you is a desire to reach beyond the beyond. I see within you a desire to move the boundaries of tomorrow. I see with you, I see in you. Again, I see with you and I see in you a passion. Perhaps it has not been kindled yet today, but as a result of the broadcasts with Suleiman Mamoniat, Leland Forbay and Wasim Lombard, somehow that dream, somehow that flickering candle has been ignited within your soul and within your spirit. I see within my being that you are able to move from the arenas of poverty and the arenas of the Robin Island cold icy winds. I see that beyond the coldness of winter cometh the joys of spring. I see the spring trees with all its flowers. I see the blossoming forth of these spring trees. I see within these spring trees life. I see within these spring trees and blossoms hope. I see renewed joy. That's what I see in your life today. Suleiman, Wasima, and Leland, thank you so much for joining me live on this global feed today. It's been fabulous. And we are going to play out now with a song which we trust is appropriate to every single matriculant out there around the globe. Thank you. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com.